It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. We really needed a big year. It's no secret. It's been statewide. The 2023 winter season has given us storm after storm. It's been almost nonstop for the whole winter. And recent snowpack numbers have only confirmed what many expected. I'm ready to call this winter an all-timer. Right now on KSL+. Plus. It looks like we would have to go all the way back to 1952 to see a bigger snowpack year than this year. We needed the snow, and we got it. We are at the deepest that we've ever been. And it's still coming. That's the water that we use for everything, for agriculture, for municipal purposes, for our lawns, for our taps, all of it. It all comes from our snowpack. I'm at Rascone in downtown Salt Lake, where it is snowing again. And this week, we look at the 40-year-old snow water equivalent record we just broke and why some experts now wonder whether we may end up with too much snow. We're at a point in time now where I'm thinking it would probably be good if, if Mother Nature slowed, slowed down the storm track. And Jim Steenberg a, is a professor of atmospheric sciences at the U. I've been there for 27 years. I mostly work on winter storms, uh, lake effect storms, mountain snow storms, and uh, I'm also known as Professor Powder. <laughs> he tracks the numbers daily, so he wasn't surprised this week to see the snow water equivalent beat out the record set back in 1983. Like right now, I'm not surprised that these numbers are, are near all-time highs. Uh, I mean, I've been watching the weather all winter. It's really been impressive. It's a, it's a nonstop storm season. Um, I'm not shocked that, um, that we're, we're at this thing. What, what, what I am impressed with, though, moving forward, is that the weather forecasts that we can see going out for the foreseeable future still keep us in a really active pattern. So I think we're going to be adding to those totals you know, for at least another uh, week to week and a half. And then, you know, after that, we'll have to see what happens. But right now, there, you know, the, the, there's nothing that seems to be slowing Mother Nature down. We're calling it a year of opportunity. We really have a chance to make some changes, to use, well, you know, we've been given this great snowpack. We have this great snowpack and we want people to just keep being careful, not, not wasting water, making some long-term changes. Laura Haskell is the drought coordinator for the Utah Division of Water Resources. To change how they're using water so that we can keep water in our reservoirs and in the Great Salt Lake and places that it needs to be. If you could just first start by breaking down, what are we talking about when we say snow water equivalency? Snow water equivalent is how much water is in the snow if you melt it down and you're just left with a puddle. So 
if you ever shovel snow and it's really heavy and hard to shovel, it has more water in it. If it's light and fluffy and really easy to just kind of almost sweep off your porch, then it's a drier snow and has less water in it. Okay, got it. Um, and what is the, how would you describe the, the significance of the numbers that we saw? It is really significant to have passed. I mean, we always talk about the 80s and, you know, all these, these wet snow years that we've had in the past. And we haven't even had really average snowpacks for several years. So it's not just, I would have been happy, you know, with average, but we're doing great and we can make up a little bit of our water in our reservoirs if we're careful with it and don't waste it. The snow really has not stopped. This winter we've just been getting storm after storm after storm and we have finally just matched the the record for peak snow water equivalent that was set in 83. How do you describe this this winter? What storm season has been like? You know I'm ready to call this winter an all-timer. We've had an incredible amount of snow uh, I think Alta is now at their number third, third highest uh, snowfall on record. Uh, it's been statewide. It's been almost nonstop for the whole winter. So it's, I think it's a really impressive winter from, from my perspective. Yeah, and then maybe especially, I would assume, when you compare it to previous years and what they were like. Yeah, I mean, like for snowpack, you know, our records are not going all the way back to like 1875 like they do for the Salt Lake Airport and downtown Salt Lake City. Uh, most of the snowpack uh, measurements we take today using modern sites, those sites have only been put in since like 1979 to the, you know, to, to about 1990. Most of them are put in. Some were just put in this year. So, we, we you know, we can't look perfectly way back in time, but I, I suspect that this year is going to be near the near an all-time maximum for water equivalent on the snowpack for Utah by the time the end of the season is over. And at a lot of stations now, like 13 stations in the Wasatch Mountains, you know, for the period of record that's available, are, are at their highest uh, highest level on this date. So that's pretty impressive. It has to melt at some point, right? And that is Sandy City Utility Crews asking residents there to be on the lookout for areas that might cause flooding. They say that creeks run through thousands of private properties in the city. New specialist Ashley Moser joins it's us live to explain. It's a little bit earlier Ashley. in the year, which is good because we want to, to have this Goldilocks zone of melting it off not too quickly and not too slowly because then we can safely get it into our reservoirs and our streams without flooding it, there's there's a perfect temperature in there out here are getting a lot of calls from residents who are concerned that debris could be piling up in creeks that run along their properties which is why those crews are out surveying yeah if it's really really slow then it, it just sort of soaks into the ground and we lose a lot of that water before it gets to our reservoirs and our streams and we really could use it in a lot of the reservoirs so we want it to melt off fast enough, but but if it can kind of melt and then get cold again and then melt and get cold again, that really helps it to not flood because we don't want it to to melt all at once. That's going to be a little bit of a problem, you know, that we've designed and we're planning, but, you know, that wouldn't be the ideal situation either. It's an important job. The tire and that kind of stuff is the stuff that's going to... Uh be the nuisance that ted keaton doesn't take lightly especially when it comes to protecting residents near rushing water bottom line is if it's unsafe don't go near it because life's not worth property yeah it's super important what happens from here 
if it stays cold and snowy till late into the spring, like like deep into to May, and then we turn the switch to summer, that's when the runoff really can accelerate. Uh, there are other factors that play a role. For example, dust in the snowpack can accelerate how fast the snowpack melts in the spring when the sun is out. Uh, and then infrastructure is another thing that matters a lot. And our infrastructure is probably much better today than it was in, in 1983. And certainly now everybody should have a heads up that we probably are looking at a pretty impressive spring runoff and uh, be prepared, you know, basically make sure that storm drains are cleared out and you know, be and and make sure that other factors that can contribute to flooding uh, are are uh, taken care of. They're looking for log jams. They're looking for debris. They're looking for garbage, trash people throw in the ditches. Information crews have been collecting for weeks, logging it on this interactive map. Keaton says these pictures are hotspots they found or that residents alerted them to. We've been meeting with citizens. We've been sending our crews out to meet with the citizens. A lot of people are being proactive and cleaning the drainage channels out themselves already. If you have a drainage area, that likely will flood this year, especially if there's debris in it. We do have better infrastructure in a lot of places than we have had. And so people are cleaning out. A lot of times it's it's not necessarily the stream or the canal or something. It's that debris has gotten stuck in. The, you know, you have sticks and limbs and things stuck in there. So, you know, if you have a storm drain in your neighborhood that you know can flood sometimes, maybe go out and clean it out. Make sure that there's not any anything in the gutter to, that's going to back up in your neighborhood. So those and balls plug the smaller pipes up perfect. Look for piles of debris and potential flood hazards. If that creek is anywhere near your daylight basement, it could flood. He says the city has seen it before, saying this year it's even more crucial to prepare with all the moisture we've had. The law of averages, when it's low, 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 what makes the average is the big years, and we're up for a big year now. So is the number, where is the number actually taken from? Is this like an average across the street, or how do, how do we come up? Yes. It is a statewide average, so um, that... 24.9 inches is um, if all the snowpack melted, you would have over two feet of water covering the entire state. Hmm. Wow. What should the average Utahn and sort of think about uh, this when they see just, you know, how much snow and water we're getting? Well, I think a lot depends on, you know, where you live. Number one, I mean, this is generally good news. We've been in a drought for a while. Um, if we can have a, a spring where it warms up slowly um, and the runoff is not really intense, we're going to get it. We'll still get a pretty good runoff. We'll still get, you know, a lot of reservoir recharge. We really needed a big year. At this point, like I said, I would really kind of hope that, and I say this as a skier who's been skiing powder all year and doesn't really want to stop, <laughs> we are getting to a time of year where we would like this, the storms to slow down a little bit, and we would like to have a gradual transition through the spring. We spent from pretty much from August until now uh, clearing drains and making sure that they were open and flowing the way they should. Yeah, we would like to have a situation where we don't stay cool and snowy until deep in the spring and then shipped over to really warm weather. Um, 
you know, that would be kind of the recipe that happened in 1983, where we kept accumulating snowpack, accumulating snowpack, it stayed cold. And then as you move deeper into the spring, the potential for really warm temperatures is higher. For example, if we had a, a ridge build over us now, you know, we wouldn't hit 90 or 95 degrees. But when you're in late May, you can hit 90 or 95 degrees. And we know we've hit 100 now, even in, in early in the summer. So we wouldn't want to have a situation where we have a really deep snowpack and a deep snowpack in the mid and the lower elevation, say, and then flip the switch on this. So we're at a point in time now where I'm thinking it would probably be good if, if Mother Nature slowed slowed down the storm track and, and brought us a, a good spring, but not <laughs> but not a, a cold, snowy one. I don't think you ever see a season like this coming. You just, you know, you kind of like experience it as it's coming through, and we didn't know even a few weeks ago, that it was going to be record-setting. Skiles and her team have installed instrumentation at the Atwater study plot across from Alta Ski Resort to study the processes that control snow accumulation and snow melt. Take a look at these two photos from that plot. Here's a photo from last summer with her graduate students from the Snow Hydro Lab and another pic taken yesterday with the snow at the top of the platform. We are at the deepest that we've ever been. We're over four meters, which is 13 and a half feet of snow. The snow actually just hit the instrumentation platform, which means that currently all of our instrumentation is buried. She says they will work to get that equipment back above the snow. It's never been deeper. Um, we're setting records there and across the state of Utah. The water in that snowpack is as good as gold for our communities. If you were to melt all of that snow out, the water level would actually be up to about their shoulders. Is there any, any context you can offer just on, you know, what, how do we, how do you get a winter like this after so many that just weren't as good? I mean, how, why are we having, getting so many storms this season? You know, a lot of people ask me that question, and the honest truth is we don't know. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that affect the storm track. Sometimes it's just randomness. You know, the storm track is, is a little bit random from year to year. The weather has a lot of randomness in it, and that could be playing a role. There's a lot of things that affect the jet stream, and uh, putting it all together and really understanding it is, is a difficult problem. So in my view, I don't think we have a good understanding. This certainly was not anticipated by meteorologists moving into the to the winter. I mean, if you looked at the seasonal outlooks for that came out in October, they called for a greater odds of a below average year in the southwest uh, and greater odds of above average year in the in the northwest. And we've had, you know, basically a record ski season here for snowfall and water equivalent over a good chunk of the southwest. So I don't think we really have a good handle on what has happened this year and, and what the driver is of it. How many more years like this do we need where we're like, okay, we, uh, we've recovered? Typically, it takes about as many years to get into drought, to get out of drought, as it took to get into drought. Um, this year has not been typical. It's pretty, pretty impressive. So it might take a little bit less, but we've been in drought for a few years now. So uh, we don't think every reservoir will fill up this year. You know, the Great Salt Lake obviously has been declining for several years. That's not going to recover immediately. So. 
you know, there there are some long-term effects there in vegetation and wildlife that we're going to need to recover from long-term. So one of the things that I like to really stress about our snowpack in Utah is that we get 95% of our water that we use in the state of Utah from our snowpack. Of course, we get a little bit of moisture from our summer monsoon. And if you look at the southwest corner of the state, it, that number is a little bit different. But for most of Utah, 95% of all of our water comes from our snowpack. So if we don't have a way to critically, uh, to excuse me, to very uh, precisely measure that snowpack, we're going to have a hard time managing for all that water. So everyone in the state of Utah should be interested in the fact that we're about to break that record because that's the water that we use for everything, for agriculture, for municipal purposes, for our lawns, for our taps, all of it. It all comes from our snowpack. Our team of meteorologists and reporters continue tracking the storms and their impact through spring. That does it for us this week on KSL+. Plus. And on a side personal note, this is my last KSL Plus episode. I have loved working on the show. Thanks to all who have watched and listened. Uh, past episodes should still be available online. For now, though, I'll see you next time. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.